top of the day, everyone. It's Hot Garbage, True Crime Edition. I'm your co-host, Nisha B, and this is my beautiful best friend and co-host. Buddha Badass. And this is going to be a really long episode. I think I had warned you before because I was like, okay, I split this in twos, but I don't want to split it in threes because it's kind of like a little mystery, and so I'm just kind of going to give it to everybody right now. Oh, okay, man. I, I, I'm glad that you warned me ahead of time for these long ones. Yeah. You be pulling me out. I'll be playing poker and stuff like that, doing international deals <laughs> Tokyo and Korea. You don't know, man. Well, you know, with this case, honestly, we'll take you on an emotional roller coaster because the whole time that I was researching this case, I was like, okay, at first I was 50-50 on his guilt or innocence. Then I'm researching the second part, and then I was like 80-20, and now I'm back to 50-50 again. So oh, that's what God. I'm saying. This is the kind of case where I'm like, oh, my gosh. Right. So, yeah, like, and I think we talked a little bit about it, so about the scenarios that we think could have happened because they're putting her time of death around 3 a.m., so we was like, okay, so he may have gotten into her car and, like, did all that and kidnapped her and we was like because it's the 90s so maybe she left her door unlocked because i was like how did she how did he get in her car like you know what i mean right so we talked about that that's a possibility it is or she was really having an affair with him and the mom didn't say anything which you know that's that has never been proven or anything but we don't know Mm -hmm. but after this we're gonna get to a lot it's gonna leave you with more questions than answers and i'm so frustrated because i just want this case to be solved right and you want to be the one that solves it yeah yeah, so I'm going to get into everything else that's going on, and then we'll let you and our listeners be the judge of what they think happened. Girl, I just talk. I don't know about no judging. Yeah. <laughs> well, advocates for Rodney Reed stated that the investigation was not fair because the investigators operated on a hunch and a lucky guess to determine that he was a suspect in the first place. So we talked about how he was kind of like walking around, and they was like, let me check to see if his DNA is on file, how that all kind of I mean, he was in. like a random black guy. It was like, yeah. what is that Negro doing? Yeah, and that all came, but in, in, see, in part two, I realized that it wasn't as random as everyone thought, so we're going to get into a lot of the court documents, and there's going to be a lot of stuff from the autopsy that's going to come out as well. Mm. So now the court documents revealed that the reason I'm spoiling the story. Well, I'm, I'm don't I don't care I don't care I'm if you know that spoiled. don't tell me later on it's gonna be they're, they're gonna have this as well <laughs> I don't want to know that. Well, I'm I'm about to talk about the court document tell right the now. Story okay. So, the court documents revealed that the reason he became a person of interest in the first place was because before he was brought in and questioned about the Stacey Stites case, he had been questioned about the kidnapping and the attempted rape and murder of another 19-year-old named Linda Sluter. So, this was, and this incident happened six months after Stacey Stites, you know, died. So, keep in mind, he was arrested a year after her murder. I guess uh, six months after this, it says that... She went into the police station. This is Linda Sluter. And she claimed that Rodney Reed abducted her along the same route that Stacy took to work. So she said that it occurred around 3 a.m. as well. She picked him out of a lineup. Now, Rodney Reed's home was also close. Remember, he was also close to the high school, but he was also close to where um, this lady's um, car had been abandoned as well. So remember, the, Jim's truck was abandoned at the high school and the vehicle that was used to try to abduct this lady was abandoned close to his house as well. Hmm. So, so now this is what happened. So according to Reed's appeal documents, the details of Linda's offense was not introduced at the guilt or innocent phase, but the jury only knew that law enforcement had the information to make him look like a suspect. So this was one of the cases where he was questioned about it, but he was let go because they didn't have enough, you know, evidence about it. 
But according to the state investigators, how does she say she got away? So it, it didn't go into how she got away and everything like that. It didn't mm. say how she was, but he was just brought in a question, but there wasn't enough evidence against that one. But what that did was that caused them to link the two similarities between Stacy Stites case and Linda Spooter's case. And that that's what made them ask if his DNA was on file at all. So that's I, I don't of, feel to me, I don't feel like I know enough about this Linda Spooter case to judge it accordingly. Cause yeah, she could be somebody just heard it on YouTube or heard it on the news and just went out and, and of course you can point his ass out after he's been on TV. Right. So and, well, I don't know about yeah. that. Yeah, oh, and that was a lot of things that people had questioned as well about the Luder, uh, Linda Sluter and also they said that she was also, she may have been friends with Jim, which is Stacy Stites fiance. Mm-hmm. Like supposedly she knew him so people were a little bit suspicious about that because she came out of nowhere like six months later and you know. Right, how did you that. get abducted? That sounds yeah. mystery. How did you get away? And that's mm-hmm. a mystery too. Yeah. And he parked your car somewhere by the house. Like yeah. you just knew to say that, huh? Yeah, so he that's He knew why. where he lived to mm-hmm. know that he was parking somewhere by the house. Mm-hmm. By his house. Yeah, that's the mm-hmm. other thing. Um, so now the other thing now now remember when i said never give your dna so come to find out after researching it he didn't give his dna this is how they got his dna now this is another case that had happened was rodney reed had a disabled girlfriend right her name was caroline rivas now caroline rivas had reported that he always would beat her he would rape her like he would make her have you know very rough sex with her and stuff like that and because of this, because she was probably doing time to Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, we talk, we was talking about that, huh? Like everybody wanted to do their Fifty Shades of Grey thing, huh? Mm-hmm. So now, basically, what happened was, um, so in the re- in the Caroline Reavers case, she it says she never personally actually pressed charges against Rodney Reed. Somebody else pressed charges on her behalf because again, she was disabled, and so what happened was. She was actually questioned. Backstrop investigator David Board responded to a report, went to Caroline's house, and then they took her bed sheets and underwear and other items. That's how they got Rodney Reed's DNA on file. So you see So even with your rule of don't give it, they still will find a way to get it they, if they need it. Yeah, because they were investigating. Even though I'm I'm I don't see any reason to not give it. Yours is for criminal reasons. Well mine is you I'm advocate saying, of doom. You need to be working in John Wick's well, main office. Well my thing is I'm just like you can get it but you need to get a warrant or something, you know what I mean? I'm not just gonna willingly give anything because a lot of people get in trouble because they think they're being helpful and they willingly give stuff, but it actually hurt themselves. I mean, yes. I yeah. Mean, I've just learned that from watching movies. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and CSI is to, you know, stand by your rights as much as possible because the, the law will try, the, the system mm-hmm. will try and screw you over. Yeah. That's what but I I'm said. just saying the, the reason I'm just going I'm just picking on you for the reasons of, of, of the course. advocacy. Of course, yeah, because I'm just like a criminal over here. You, you, no, the reasons <laughs> of your advocacy is what I'm saying uh, is <laughs> a criminal intent. Yeah. <laughs> now, just so everyone knows, the Caroline Rivas case was actually dismissed, and the reason is is because when she was questioned, she did admit that they had consensual sex. They had had consensual sex, and then she said the next day is when he had roughed her up and raped her. And so, you know, when she was examined, there was no way to prove, you know, what day the rape happened on. So all that stuff was dismissed. So that was never actually brought up against him. 
Told you it was just that sounds weird. Yeah, it does sound weird. And these are all things that kind of, you know, has people divided because there was like, you know, half people that's advocates for him is like, you know, he's just innocent of everything. And then the other half is like, well, no, he has these other cases where women are saying this and that, you know. So this is the things that's making him kind of look bad. Now, there was also another case. It that was That sounds sus. That's what the kids say. Oh, sus, right. That huh? sounds sus. That's sus, right. Now, this is a really weird case that happened, and it was brought up too. So in 1989, Rodney Reed was supposedly accused of raping a 12-year-old girl, and this was on his days of um, being on the high school football team. Now, this is really weird. So Sus. This, yeah, this is sus. This is very sus. And now, the victim in this case, and she we don't have a name because at the time she was only 12 years old, she went on video, she signed an affidavit, and she says she knew the identity of the man that assaulted her. Now, the man that she named was James, this man named James Slaughter, who was a bass drop football player as well. Now, due to issues with her rape kit and the quality of the DNA, the case never actually moved forward. But Slaughter, the guy that she accused, was convicted of another rape in college, but he was recently released. I mean, this yeah. man sounds like he's watching a lot of those old Western Sean Connery type of movies where no, they don't understand that no means maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Slaughter's hair and DNA was linked to the crime scene of this 12-year-old victim, rape victim. But again, you know, everything was so old. The DNA was, you know, um, it, was, it wasn't stored properly. So the whole case was thrown out. Now, how Rodney Reed came up in this was because after they had his DNA on file, they ran his DNA also to see if he could have possibly been the one that raped the 12-year-old girl as well. And they said that they could not, they couldn't, what was the word? Rodney Reed could not, Rodney Reed could not be excluded as a contributor of the DNA sample. So basically it's not saying that it was his DNA. It's just saying he can't be excluded, but basically the DNA was so corrupted anyway. Like that's why a lot of people was like, he, that's not saying anything. That's, that's a, not a no, right. That, that, you can't, you can't Bill Cosby this guy. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's what everyone said. Maybe. Like, yeah. That's too much. Maybe on that. I, well, right. And I was like, it was so random because the girl didn't even name Rodney Reed as her assaulted. So it's like what he I don't was even... browning in the air. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, I was basically. So I was like, I don't even know how his name got caught Man. up in this twelve year. Same girl. way that Kobe did. How you doing, Kobe? Come on, uh, here, Kobe. Oh my gosh! Right. Just you in the same building. You're a suspect. So now, basically, it was important to know that when the twelve this twelve year old girl was raped as well, he wasn't even living in Bastrop, but he was living in Wichita Falls, which is the next town over. So. <laughs> Again, we don't know how, you know, his name... And he don't sound like he's got a car. Yeah. He walks up on people and take their car. Oh, my God. Now, also, the 12-year-old girl's best friend at the time is actually a Rodney Reed supporter, as she posted James Slaughter's court documents and said, you know what, she believes Rodney Reed is innocent. Rodney Reed did not rape my friend, you know? So that was just an important wow. thing. Yeah. The, the friend said that? The 12-year-old girl's best friend at the time. Oh. Yeah, oh, so yes. it was the 12-year-old girl's at the time best friend said that Rodney Reed is innocent. He didn't do this, you know, and her friend had already named another guy. So she don't even know how he's caught up in that case. Mm. But these are all things that's important because while it wasn't used against Rodney Reed in trial, because a lot of these cases had got dismissed, it was able to be used in the penalty phase in which they was determining whether he should get the death penalty or not. And that's when they came up like, 
like, wait a minute, he has all these cases, and obviously he's been doing this for a while. A defamation of character. Yeah. And also, the mother, and I didn't see a lot about this, the mother of his two kids had also filed a complaint against him, but that's, you know, private, so I couldn't see exactly what she had filed a complaint about. So that was used against him as well. Now, in 1998, because remember, his trial was in 1998, his lawyers failed to call their own forensics and medical experts to the stand. So, you know, since they they was a public defender, and that's why I say a lot of times poor people and middle class people, they kind of get screwed with the justice system. Because if you have a really... Pie pie. <laughs> right. I mean, because if Man, you have get that in your eye. Yeah, because I mean, if you're able to have a really good defense attorney, you know, they would have been preparing for this trial like a year. Uh, a year they later. didn't even know right. your name. Right. I mean, he didn't get his defense until sixty days prior. All this stuff, it takes way more than sixty days to prepare for this. It's crazy. Mm. So well, I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, go ahead. What? No, you're cheering like who rah rah? Let's get him off now. I, but I'm <laughs> just saying that that part of the system is not set correctly mm-hmm. right i don't know maybe there's not that because there's, uh, there's a lot of people that want to be johnny cochran so there is a lot of lawyers but mm-hmm. what i don't i don't know what's going on with why it's well, so crappy yeah because if you have a good i mean if you have money that you could pay these people you know to do hours and work just for you whereas versus public defenders they might have a whole bunch of people on their docking and that's the thing now yeah. supposedly and this is the reason why it was encouraged for the average hard-working man mm-hmm is that you were paying for that too. You didn't have to worry about being the billionaire, bajillionaire. Mm-hmm. Is you were paying for this public defender lawyer too. Mm-hmm. You are paying. Yeah. It's not worth well, it, It's supposed to be currently, yeah. yeah. So that's one of the reasons in which you tax me so much is to also have a protection of myself and my rights. Yeah. If it comes down to it, and at that moment I cannot afford... One of the reasons I cannot afford it is because I've been paying you oh, yeah. this whole time. Damn. It's like saying that for insurance, and then you go to court, and they're like, well, we ain't got a representative for you. You ain't got an agent. Right. What do you mean I don't have an insurance agent? I've been paying this whole time for an agent. Yeah. So the, so basically, the poor middle class, they're only poor because they've been paying these taxes. That's mm-hmm. one of the reasons. That's part of the reasons in which I, you are deprived of your your funds. Yeah. Is because you're paying into the system yeah. that some of the parts are supposed to be protecting of you. Same thing with the police force. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's and when when people stem up that argument. So that's why I'm like, a public defender should not just have this load put on them like that. Yeah. If you guys are stemming this many funds for that necessity and him having a, 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 a income mm-hmm. that is more than what the average person is having, I think they have you know like a sixty-eight thousand or seventy thousand dollar salaried income starting base yeah that's even more than police officers yeah so that's that's more than teachers mm-hmm. you know and that's definitely more than anybody makes working at any type of retail and the vast majority of things like warehouses and things like that yeah where you have masses amount of people yeah so you're making above what is the person that calls themselves average mm-hmm. yeah that's so true and that's why you see a lot of people you know, pleading out. And we'll talk about plea deals on a whole nother, you know, episode because I could go for hours about plea deals. Oh, I know you can. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, how many times have you been to court? Oh, yeah, we're not going to disclose that information. Oh, God. <laughs> I am terrified. <laughs> 
Now, since the trial, Reed got a new defense team and they are working with basically top forensic pathologists and crime scene experts. Now, some of these experts that's working on his case now, they worked on the JFK assassination. They worked on the Martin Luther King assassination and the John Bonet Ramsey case. So he has some of the best people working for him now. Those celebrity corners yeah. right there. Yeah, because, yeah, because his first time, you know, they didn't, but now the Innocence Project has stepped in and they, he, they got him the best possible defense and so that's why this is coming out all this stuff is now getting looked over they really dropped the ball in the first case so they they did they volunteer their services or someone looked them up yeah so typically what happens is the innocence project uh, volunteered their services they heard about his case and they felt like that he, there's an innocent man on death row and so once they step up the funding goes in and you're, you're able to get really good like trial lawyers and stuff that you wouldn't have originally had because this is a death row case now so now you have people working 24 hours seven days a week for you to save your life so that's what's going on i'm not gonna lie to you mm-hmm. that has already influenced my thought of where this is going uh, i was 50 50 and maybe even 60-40, and I'm not going to tell you which way it was. Yeah, you're going to tell me after, right? Because I'm going to tell you after. And that was 70-30, honestly. Yeah. And when you get this dream team, like, I'm like, he must be right. No matter what I thought before, like, these guys, you said Martin Luther King, JFK. Mm -hmm. I was like, go! Yeah. Man, I felt like, man. And wait until you hear about this bullshit, how much they dropped the ball on this shit. It's really scary. It's so scary. Now, Don't spoil the story. I'm not spoiling the story. I'm about to tell you right now. Don't uh, tell me that what, what to drop the ball. Make me sound silly and be like I was all behind him and didn't just tell me what it was after okay, that. Okay, okay. My bad. <clears throat> now... You just don't learn about politics of storytelling. I'm sorry. You got to be a better storyteller. Whatever. Don't talk about my storytelling. This is this is this is your storytelling. Your storytelling is getting like a C plus right now. What? I don't do C pluses. Yeah. That's. A... I know you don't. So you better step it up. Anyways, now there's one of the things that they pointed out is there's no actual evidence to point to Rodney Reed. There's no footprints. There's no fingerprints. There's no hair fibers, and the only DNA that they have is which is the semen. Is the semen? He's saying that, of course, that was deposited consensually. That's the only evidence that they have. Now, I love that phrase for semen. This it, it was deposited. Yeah, like it's, it, like it's an account. It's like this, is, this was an investment here. <laughs> I deposited <Yeah>. my semen. <laughs> what the? Now, the semen. Like, wiggle Did you ever make a withdrawal, or do you always deposit, sir? It's always. <laughs> The ass gig, I deposited it. Now, the semen that was tested at the field, it was, I think I said in part one, it was tested at the field. It was not in a controlled environment. And so that you typically, a controlled environment would avoid false positives and contamination. Now, the test that they did on the semen that was in her underwear, the results, so basically the results came back clear instead of purple. Now, purple means a strong presence of semen. That means there was a whole lot of semen. Now, that they came back clear, so that means that there was like a light amount of semen. Now, Rodney Reed's team of experts says that a lot of times this result is common and it could be explained away, but it should have been purple. If if this person just raped her and just murdered her and just put the semen in her, it would have been purple because that would have been a strong. Presence. Well, he admitted that he put he depo- he made his deposit. 
Yeah. Uh, also, that same night, or within that 24-hour well, time yeah, he span. Said, yeah, he said it was so the day before. That's still odd in its own sense of why it wasn't purple. Yeah. Um, because it's not, it's not a question about the, the, the deposit. Mm-hmm. That part is not you the like saying question. deposit now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fun with This is fun. This is, I, I'm going to do it until someone cuts me off of it. We might have one of the producers coming to be like, hey, dude, stop depositing here. <laughs> <laughs> but until they wave me down, about to hit this deposit. Uh, all the all the producers make believe we are in my garage. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in my mind, this is awesome like that. But I'm saying, dude, you, that's not a question. Mm-hmm. So if she doesn't have that being purple yeah that means she was douching or something there was something i don't know there was a clean out is what i'm saying there's a clean out going on it was either that or it was as rodney reed said that they had consensual sex like a few days or a day before and then you know that was just residue from it so if he would have raped her and killed her at three o'clock in the morning and you know he would have raped her then and that semen would have been there would have been dark purple so, so yeah. he, it, it fits his story yeah, it of it was story. not within a certain time span mm-hmm. yeah. of the tinge of the purple. Yeah. Okay, that, I understand. Yeah, it's fitting his story. That's why it's really good that he, you know, it's good for him that he has a dream team now because they didn't, the first trial, they didn't look at any of this evidence. Um, they didn't look at the tinge. Yeah, they didn't look at, yeah. Now, several other forensics experts also pointed out that Karen Blakely who she was the lead DPS specialist and she was the one that came out to the crime scene to, you know, take swabs. She never changed her gloves during different parts of the examination of the body. So, you know, during this time, there, well, yeah, yeah, after every swab, they're supposed to change their gloves. So remember, they swabbed her chest. They swabbed her vagina. They swabbed her anus. She's supposed to change her gloves to prevent cross-contamination. So, and it says a semen and DNA is very susceptible to this. So the prosecution relied on the semen with head and tails that Karen Blakely took in the field and the semen discovered during the autopsy. Now, the discovery of the semen at the DPS crime scene lab was never actually documented. So that was never documented. This is something that they depended on her testimony that said there was semen with head and tails found. So she got up there and said that, but again, it wasn't in any of the autopsy reports. Now... Mm. Hmm. Now, now this, now this semen did come from the swabs that she did in the field. She took back to the lab, but again, it wasn't in anybody's notes. It wasn't photographed. It wasn't submitted into evidence. Yet she was called to the stand, and this is she basically just said this is what she found. Are you stating your your opinion on this part? No, this is what this is what the documentation says. This okay, is, this your, isn't my tone. Opinion. That's <laughs> very judgy right now. Well, I'm just saying, like, okay, my tone is not judgy, but I was just saying that's a little bit like weird. it's like matter of factly. I feel this matter of factly <laughs> tone. Now, on the stand as well, Karen Blakely incorrectly testified that semen with head and tails can only last 12 to 26 hours. In reality, semen with heads and tails can last 72 hours, up to 72 hours. So, and then at that time in 1998, his defense attorney did not get up and cross-examine her. So in 2018, the state of Texas came forward. and His defense attorney? His defense attorney. The defense attorney he had back in 1998 never even got up and cross-examined her. 
So that's that's a, he has a dream team now, but remember he had a public defender. So mm-hmm. if they would have cross examined her, then they would have found that error that the semen could actually last seventy two hours and not twelve to twenty six hours. So that was one mistake. Now, in 2018, the state of Texas came forward and they stated that this section of Karen Blakely's testimony was false. According to the original autopsy, Stacy's rectum and vagina was actually intact and free of injury as well. Now, the swab test showed very few sperm with heads and tails. This also wasn't documented properly at all. And also, it wasn't provided as evidence for the jury. So all this came from word of mouth, basically. So it was documented in the autopsy reports that no semen was found in the rectum either. So now at this trial, Dr. Bayardo, who did the autopsy, told the jury that he found semen with sperm heads in the rectum smear. The defense attorney's expert at a hearing in 2017 explained that if the body had been laying there for some time... Is it in the rectum smeared? And so when they when they so swallowed, somebody like you know did a porn thing and, and let it out on the on the on the back of the uh, the butt cheeks no, no. And spread it around no so basically they were saying like when she swabbed out her rectum there was semen found there so but it was smeared yeah mm-hmm. so somebody smeared it around they smashed it around well I, that's what they were trying maybe to with say. the peen peen well we <laughs> wait a minute you're going to. Can I'm I just, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. I'm trying to put this. I'm like, it's not your job to finish. It's your job to tell the story. Well, I'm I, over here supposed to tell well, the things that was going on because okay. I'm crazy. Uh, well, yes. Well, but, I'm, well, I'm, I'm an average person thinking. But this. I'm actually about to answer your question right now. Okay. As far All right. as so, and this is something that I didn't know. So I definitely want the listeners to know this. That it says in 2017. <clears throat> If the body had been laying there for some time on her back, there's a natural like purging fluid that comes out. So, uh, so for example, you know how when you die, your body gets completely relaxed, right? And so, if she had any kind of you semen, yourself. Well, well, that. But if she had any kind of semen in her vagina, I didn't know this. But once you die, your body gets relaxed. It's a possibility it will leak out into your rectal cavity because that whole area gets expanded. So whatever was in your vagina goes off into your anus. That's a high possibility. So nobody actually had to do anything in your ass for that semen to have been there. Wow. Yeah, I just... That is deep right there. I literally just learned that from the research in this case. I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, wow. And so that's why they also found the semen in her underwear. It was in her underwear, so it came out because she died. So everything that's in your body just comes down. Right, whatever the semen that was in there, but it wasn't his semen. Uh, no, it was, it was. Yeah, it was it, it's semen. still his semen, though. Yeah, this is still. It was yeah. still his semen from yeah. seventy from a day ago. It was still in there. Mm-hmm. Remember, semen can last up to seventy two hours Man. in the body. Yeah. So yeah. So, okay. so it was definitely his semen because it was you know from the DNA swap. So that hasn't changed at all. But the only thing that changed is you know he's saying they are saying that it was rape. He's saying that it was consensual. So mm-hmm. that's the part that needs to be figured out. Now. At the trial back in 1998, Dr. Bayorda stated that Stacy had been raped and sodomized. And that was based on the fact that the semen was found in the rectum, the vagina, and the underwear. But, you know, in the new trial, we are they already debunked that. That it doesn't mean that she had been sodomized. It doesn't mean that, you know, she had been raped. It's just that everything came out. You and know? there was no torn tissue. And there was no torn tissue, right. Um, so when they're saying there's no torn tissue in the vaginal canal. Mm-hmm. 
they're saying that it must have been something that was more, she was more relaxed down mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So she was intense and in trying to restrict her from happening. So that doesn't depict a raping. Correct. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's why uh-huh. that's important. That's what that, this part is very important. Yeah. Now in his autopsy, Dr. Bayarda also used terminology such as abrasions, irritations, and that was used to describe the area around her rectum. But in court, he used terms such as like rectal tearing, lacerations. And so Rodney Reed's um, defense team pointed out these are two entirely different verbiages. And so they, they pointed that out as well. Now, one of the doctors that's on Rodney Reed's defense team right now is Dr. Botton, and he's one of the experts right now. And so he testified at a hearing in 2017 that he reviewed the reports and the photos, and there was no injury at all to her rectum. And so he also said that there was no evidence that she had been sexually assaulted at all. So that was, mm. yeah, that was like the big bombshell that if that would have came out in 1998, things might have been a little bit different. Now in 2012, Dr. That Bre- does make it tough. Like, yeah. There's no actual assault. Yeah, it makes a major. Wow. Now in 2012, Dr. Robert Bayardo signed a full retraction of his testimony. So the original autopsy guy, he retracted his whole testimony. And at the time of death was very vague and based on rigor. So in part one, remember we talked about they didn't take her temperature to do an accurate time of death. So they came out and they just uh, said her time of death was, you know, basically around 3 a.m. based on her body and how her body was and rigor mortis been set up. And Dr. Bayardo also said that if he knew that the prosecution was going to use his time of death as the main piece of evidence, he would have advised them not to do so. Oh. Yeah. He also said that sperm could have been put there days before her death and not deposited less than 24 hours before her death. So this is all backing up Rodney Reed's claims at this point. Okay. There was so few sperm cells found. So even though like there was heads and tails, there was a, there was a few of them found. So experts, here's your favorite word again. Experts pointed out that if he had deposited sperm at 3 a.m., which is right at the time of Stacey Stites' abduction, the sperm count should have been in the millions not just a little bit because you know unless somebody is like shooting blanks or they're sterile or something the sperm count is millions when it first comes out and then you know as the days go on they start diminishing off which is you know calculated by the time spent which is being there mm-hmm. yep now he also said that there was no indication that the sperm got there any other way but consensual and he also holds on to the fact that she was not sodomized at all he also states that because of abrasions. So I mean, like the love spot. You know, if well, she's if she wants it. Mm-hmm. You know, from down there. Well, you yeah, study it. Yeah, well, that's why he's saying like there was no evidence. Like there's no like tearing. There was no abrasions. There was nothing like because when you're getting raped, you're like resisting. You don't have the vaginal fluids. You're not ripped. You know, so that's what he's saying that there was no evidence that you know Rodney Reed could be telling the truth. They got the right. Like when this was deposited. Yeah, when it was deposited. When it was deposited, there was very uh, there was a lot of fluid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there was not there was no friction. Yeah. You know, he he got on in there very smoothly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and left and left his, you know, his deposit. Yeah. There. I'm going to say that one more time and I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to choose the right time, too. I'm going to choose the best time for me yeah. to say it. But, yeah, okay. Okay, I'm with you. 
Now, he also said on the stand that the injuries are more consistent with like a raw type thing. So she had, you know, she had some injuries down there. And he said it looks like it was injuries from like a police baton. Like maybe somebody stuck like a police baton up in her or something like that. Now, he oh, did say... A stick of some sort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did say there was something like that there. and Because it was recorded an enlargement of 18 inger- inches to the rectal cavity. But Dr. Uh, Botten stated that there would be there was no lacerations or abuse or anything like that. So it was like, it was more like, so they don't know her rectal cavity could have been expanded. Like when she died, everything kind of expanded. So she wasn't sodomized. That's not what caused that. Mm. So also, he stated that even though there was a smallest amount of semen in the anal cavity, that was what we talked about. It is normal that semen was draining down from the vagina and to the dilated anus. So he also he also said there could have been a cross contamination again because the lady didn't change her gloves. Kathy Blakely didn't change her gloves. So of the rectal swabs, it could have been possible too that in cases where they take vaginal swabs first and then in the rectal swab, you know, it could have been cross contamination from there. You're supposed to actually take you're actually supposed to take the rectal swab first in the vaginal swab. When you do that and change your gloves, it has to be two different swabs. So it has to be very, everything that can happen can cause the, the <coughs> semen or anything to be contaminated. <clears throat> now, Bayardo had also, Bayardo is the autopsy tech, the original one, had been accused of giving false testimony before. It turned out that his schedule was very full with autopsies. He would do about 100 autopsies a year, sometimes over 100 a year, and he would perform way too many. You know, and so sometimes he would get up there and he would kind of forget which case, you know, goes to what, you know. Mm -hmm. So that's a possibility as well. And that he worked for the cartel, Barardo. Yeah. (laughs) Better if somebody said, let's go past Mr. Barardo. (laughs) So basically there was also saliva that was on Stacy's chest. And that matched the DNA. That also matched Rodney's DNA as well. However, they never really tested this. They just kind of kept it in storage. Um, Also, her body was in complete rigor mortis. So typically what happens is when a body dies, then it goes into rigor mortis about 12 to 13 hours after death. And that's dependent on the temperature. But what happens is, and I didn't know this part either. So we are always told that the body gets stiff after a minute. But if you let the body lay for too long, it will actually get limp again. I did not know that. Hmm. So in the crime scene uh, photos, the body, the technicians are seen moving her limbs and stuff. So she's not stiff at all. So this could also push the time of death back because she went, she would have already went to rigor mortis and now she's limp again. But didn't the mom say she saw her leave at three? No, nobody saw her leave at three. The fiance said, remember the mom saw her at like 8 PM meeting her fiance. Right. And then the fiance said that he didn't see her leave, but he just knew that it was time for her to leave. So he didn't see her leave, but he just knew what time she had to go to work. Okay. The mom was out the window all the time, boy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would be too, though, I think. <laughs> Do you? I don't like, know. Like, I mean, I don't know. You I mean, don't think your daughter's dating a killer right now. No, so I'm saying. Do you stare out you... the window all the time when she's out on dates? Well, no, I don't do that. But I'm saying, I don't know. Like, if you lived in the same apartment complex with your kid, would you have a hard time, like, looking out the window? Or would you just not look? That I feel like I was gross, like, as a parent looking out to there. To look out the window? And stare at what you're doing on your dates? No. What am I doing? What am I doing but sitting here setting myself up to be mad? <laughs> 
I am a father. Well, I'm... What do you think that if I watch my daughter coming back from a date or work and her man or whoever that guy is meets her out in front of she's talking about she's feeling that way intimately with him, what do you think I'm going to be watching that I think is a good thing? Yeah, so you probably, yeah. But... I don't care if y'all been married for 10 years. Like, uh, that's my daughter. And you grab it on her rump? Like, oh, what, yeah. Nobody like, wants what, to see that. Like, like, I'm not staring out the window at my daughter, this this, this stuff happening. Yeah. Yeah. It's just me. <laughs> it's just me. I, I, you don't want to see that. I'm, yeah, that's a little bit odd. But I was just wondering. But it could be also another thing, like, just to make sure that, like, she's getting in safely. I don't know. Like, guess that parental. Once her car pull up and I see her get out and I see him pull up, I'm done. Okay. I don't want to see none of that. Because if he come up, what if he put too much tongue, like I said, and grab her booty right then as soon as he walk up? He could be feeling freaky that night. Oh. Oh, God. I don't even want to picture it no more. Like, yeah, yeah, like, I'm like, you want to watch your daughter? You want to watch that happen to your daughter? Yeah. But then it'd be under the, the premises of, he's my man, though. We about, we yeah. engaged. Yeah, and then she's, oh, she's grown, so you can't yeah, see so about the window. Be like, like, stop hey. doing that. That's her, that's her fiance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Beyonce, like bro, like are you, uh, so you can't do nothing but watch. Are you watching this? Oh no! Uh, were you watching them roll up all of them? Because they said they went. She said he. She verified they went in. It seemed happy and intimate. Yeah. So he was all upon that. <laughs> Probably grabbed some things he shouldn't have grabbed. Oh my gosh! Like, do you want to watch that with your children? Because no, I showed the hell I, I don't want to see that because there's nothing you can do. There's nothing. What would I need to do? Nothing. What do you What Just do you post... need to do for your child having a, a great relationship? Yeah, no. Is what that sounds like. Just... Like she gonna go upstairs and get waxed down. Like what do you need to do? I don't know. I'm gonna close my window and just go to bed. I guess. Right. <laughs> like I didn't. I'll be like, I wish I didn't see that. That's what you gonna say. You wish you didn't just witness was about to happen because you because you know like after certain movements you be like, damn, she about to go upstairs. You can tell by the way your daughter walked off. Like, oh, she about to give it up to him. Wow. <laughs> this is the time you watch action movies, you can tell that exact point where they'd be like, yeah, she about to give it up to Mad Max. Because oh. right, he just saved her life. Well, no, it was the Riddick. When he jumped off, when you remember Riddick jumped off the side oh, of the building? Yeah. Like, I was just playing when I said I didn't want to die. I didn't care about living or dying. And he jumped off hella awesome, with, uh, held the rope and shit and caught her ass, but yeah. went burning up and came up steaming. She wanted to have his baby. Go back and look at that exact same moment when she looked up at him when he was steaming, <laughs> steaming from the sun and looked back with yeah. his sexy ass. And he was, she was like, oh my God. I was like, she's about to have it. I said that from the first time I said it. I said it to the day I die. She was like, I'm going to have your babies. <laughs> Do you want to see that look on your daughter's face? No. Thank you. No. <laughs> so no, I wouldn't be out there spying on my daughter with her fiance at the whatever the hell ever. Hell no. Now there was some bruising on Stacy's uh, body, and so basically, there's something called lividity. Lividity that happens once the heart stops bleeding. And what happens is blood is pulled down by gravity and pulls by the surface of the skin. So this could make purplish or pinkish bruising on your body within four to six hours if you're not found. So basically, there's no way that she would have gotten those bruises on the front of her body if she was murdered at 3 a.m. and dumped by 5 a.m. on her back, you know. Mm. So that's what they were saying because a lot of those bruises that they thought that somebody beat her, it was really, really lividity setting in. Okay. 
Now, with all this new evidence, this would move Stacy's time of death to 10 or 11 p.m. the night before, not 3 a.m. Now, what's under the mom season? Though? The mom seen them at 8 p.m. Okay. Yeah. So now, according to Jim, Stacy's fiance, at that time they were home alone because remember she had to go to work the next day. And now there was a small section. Of he wasn't getting none because he admitted he slept on the couch. Right. Now, there was a small section of second or third degree burns on her body. It was on her neck, her left arm, and her upper torso as well that was found. Now, there was an investigator named Kevin Gannon. He was a retired senior investigator. And he really started thinking that maybe she wasn't a victim of strangulation. Because they were saying that, you know, remember, the belt was the murder weapon. So then this is something that he kind of just thought of. Um, And he was like, what if that wasn't really how she died? And he gave his own, like his own version of what he thought happened. So you, this be interesting. yeah. So you remember in the first uh, part when I said that there was also some fluid that was coming out of her nose and it was all on the truck floor and stuff like that. No. And yes. In the first part, I said that when she was found, there was fluid coming out of her nose. You know, we assumed it was snot or something like that. This fluid was never actually well, tested. Engine cooler. No. No. <laughs> No. Now, this fluid was never actually tested, but this is what Kevin Gannon said because it was about 16 ounces of fluid in her lungs. He said what he went to Stacy and Jim's apartment to look around. He said, what if she had been drowned in a bathtub? He looked over the floor plan of Stacy and her apartment, Stacy and Jim's apartment, and he noticed how the bathtub faucet was set up. And he was thinking that if the hot water had been running, like somebody, you know, was going to take a bath or something like that, he was like, what if she had been drowned? What if she had actually been drowned and maybe somebody had used the belt to strangle her and maybe put her under the waters as she had been attacked from behind? This would allow her to lay in a forward facing position on the side of the tub because there was a large amount of fluid that was discharged from her nose. And if she had been drowned, Remember, everything relaxes when you die. So that would have came out of your lungs, out of your mouth, out of your nose. However, this fluid was never tested. So we don't know what that fluid was. But that was just something he thought of. Like, maybe she was drowned first. Mm. So I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. Now, a lot of people are questioning, you know, because after what, you know, he, what the Kevin Gannon said, that brings us back to Jim Finnell, which is the fiance, because if the time of death is moved to 10 p.m. to 11 p.m., he was the only one that would have been with her. But a lot of people is like, okay, so how would he have murdered her? Because that means he would have murdered her in the house. He would have still had to move her body, dump her in his truck, and then get back home as well. That's so, yeah. Now, Jim Fidel's time cards was looked at, and his time card didn't show any errors, you know. However, some suspicious stuff happened. Remember his partner, David Hall, the one he went to that Little League baseball team with? Mm-hmm. So this is what we found with that. David Hall took leave that night, and he only worked an hour of his scheduled shift. Now, remember that at the scene of the crime, there was two beer cans at the crime scene. DPS records show that these beer cans tested positive for DNA from Ed Samella. He's a lead detective at the Bass Trot um, Detectives and David Hall, which was Jim Fennell's partner. Now, these DNA findings was never reported or handed over to Rodney Reed's defense team in 1998. 
And the crazy thing about this, three and a half months after Stacy murder, Stacy's murder, Ed was actually found dead in his apartment, who was the lead detective. So it was ruled a suicide, though, but that was still really suspicious because he had originally been fired from the police department two weeks prior to his suicide for making terrorist threats to his girlfriend. And according to Ed's brother, Scott Salmella, he talked to the neighbor that was involved with finding and reporting Ed's body. And he said that he had been, you know, kind of hanging outside his apartment. He seemed fine and happy. They had a conversation. And then a few minutes later, after he went into his apartment, he heard a gunshot. So the neighbor called the police and the police came like instantly. He said he went outside. There was already three police officers outside. But he had literally just called them. So how would they have known to come that fast? Like, they were literally already there. What? When what happened? The police officers were outside? So Ed Sabella, which was the lead detective at Bastrop, and one of the beer, beer can owners, mm-hmm. he was found shot in his apartment. Like, mm-hmm. he had committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, his neighbor had called the police because he heard the gunshot come from his apartment. But when the neighbor came out of his house, the police, three of them was already there. And he was like, he had literally just called the police like seconds ago. So how would they have known to be there? So basically they're trying to insinuate there may have been some kind of cover up going on with this. It hasn't been proven or anything, but you know, because we want to know how So the DNA from two people that know how the procedures go, Mm -hmm. the DNA that prove that show that well the dna of two people there's no proof Mm -hmm. dna from two people that knows how the procedure of um the police system go Mm -hmm. was there Mm -hmm. at the scene of the crime Mm -hmm. on those two beer and they're detectives so they are promoted in that way it's under investigations Mm -hmm. so they're thoroughly trained Mm -hmm. in understanding investigations process right and it was two beer cans that was found by the body so i'm like well that's the stupidest part of the crime because if you got something to do with, why would you throw your beer cans right there that's the part i don't understand like why leave the beer cans if you're detectives if you really are trying to cover something up why leave your beer cans that that part i don't get well it just sounds like some subtle stuff like hey we, we finished this and you're trying to relax yourself back yeah um but that I, I mean that's just me jumping on a whole lot of suspicions of how it could happen mm-hmm. but that's an interesting critical piece of information and you're saying that then mm-hmm. when one of those people that had the DNA mm-hmm. the night of their death hearing a gunshot there were police officers outside mm-hmm Yep, supposedly he killed himself, and I'm using air quotes. And, you know, there was three police officers already there after the neighbor just called the police. So I don't, they wouldn't have got there that fast, you know. And Ed, now Ed Samala, the guy that killed himself supposedly, had had issues with his girlfriend. And he had originally lived with this guy named um, Texas Ranger Rocky Wartlow. Um, I guess Wartlow had a divorce. He had, he had gotten a divorce and for a minute they kind of lived together because that was like, you know, you can stay with me. You know, you're my friend. And he still had the key to Ed's apartment too. That's the other thing from when he used to live with him. Now he assigned himself to work on the case of Ed's death too, which is a complete conflict of interest. So, and then... But they allowed it. Yeah, they, that's the other thing. So... 
The other thing too is the neighbor reported that there wouldn't have been a reason for Ed to kill himself because he said that that day he went to the laundromat, he dropped off a bunch of laundry. He had been on leave for two weeks because he, you know, expected to get fired from the police department because, you know, he had been making terrorist threats to his ex-girlfriend. So he was going to get fired. He was put on leave. But he told the person who worked at the laundromat that he was going to use the rest of his leave to go and gamble. So he pulled $600 out and he said that he was going to go to Louisiana and go gamble. Then he went back to his apartment. He had a conversation with the neighbor and then he shot himself. So it's like that didn't really go with the suicide because you just said that you had plans. So, you know, that was the other thing. Mm. The other thing was the gunshot was on the left side and the exit wound was on the right side by his jaw, but he was right-handed and he was a bad shot with his left hand. He had a problem with shaking in his left hand. So that's what looks suspicious as well. Test for gunpowder residue was never completed at the time. Now, Ed's brother, Scott Samella, believed that Ed had incriminated information that got him killed and he doesn't believe that Rodney Reed is the person that killed Stacy. He believes that if you find the person that killed Stacy, you'll also find the person that killed Ed, too. Well, it does seem that way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it does seem that way. I'm just... Does he have that much clout? The, the... The husband? Does he have that much clout where police officers will... Well... Risk he, their career? Yeah, well, that's a that's a weird thing. He did have a lot, and we'll see, you know, how much clout he really had. Um, so it says, you know, in a 2003 interview with Rodney Reed, while he was on death row, he had said that a man named Edward was supplying Stacy with marijuana. So Edward Samella was over the narcotics division in Bastrop at the time. And so he was like, it could have been Ed that was supplying her with weed. You know what I mean? It could have been. So his girl was smoking weed. Yeah. And getting it from the cops from from things that had been contraband. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Was he not smoking any of the weed? Well, I don't know. He didn't say that. I'm pretty sure he was. I'm like, she didn't just get it herself, so he had to bend the connect between them two. Yeah. So I'm sure. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Every ounce that she received, he Mm -hmm. was aware of. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was like, you see how this is all intertwined? This is, yeah. Now, also it's important to note that Rocky Wardlow, which was Ed's friend, the one that still had the key to his apartment, he was also the one that hurried up and released Jim's vehicle for him and never searched the apartment. So we talked about how they did a quick search of his vehicle, let him go, let the vehicle go, and now the vehicle is gone because Jim traded it in, remember? Mm-hmm. So Rocky Wardlow was the one that did that. Now, since 2015, new witnesses have come forward in this case. Alicia Slater is a co-worker who worked with Stacey Stites at the grocery store between 1995 and 1996. She signed an affidavit about something that Stacey told her in the break room. She said she was not excited about getting married and that she was sleeping with a black guy named Rodney and she didn't know what her fiancé would do if he found out. She said that at the time she didn't want to get involved because she was like super scared. Now, Leroy Abara, which is another coworker, also came forward and he said that he witnessed Rodney Reed and Stacy flirting at the store and he thought that they was in a secret relationship. Calvin Horton, who was a cousin of Stacy Stites, saw her at Rodney Reed in a Dairy Queen and it seemed like they were having a really good time together. 
Also, Chris Aldrich, who is Rodney Reed's cousin, saw the two together. He said that him and Rodney had been hanging out on the night of Stacy's murder next door to the Reed family home. He also was never called to testify at the trial in 98 because we'll remember we talked about a lot of the witnesses that could have came forward. They had criminal passes and they were really scared or they just wasn't called because the defense was like, well, they wouldn't be credible because they're family members and they have a reason to lie. Mm. So I don't remember all that, but okay. Yeah, that was in part one. No, I don't remember those sentences being used in that same phrase. But yeah. I'm understanding where you're going. Go ahead. Now, Rodney Reed said that, you know, he, that they were together. Rodney Reed and his cousin was together drinking and talking until almost 5 o'clock in the morning. And then they walked to work after. And also, he claimed that Jimmy Finnell had discovered the affair between Rodney and Stacy before the murder as well. So he also told a story and he signed an affidavit that him and Rodney one time was walking down the street when two police officers, one of them who was in street clothes, and that was, and that was Jim Fennell, came up behind... The How other, does he know it was Jim? I, I don't know. It just says he, he signed an affidavit. It said, well, I'm pretty sure because when all this happened, Jim's picture was all over the place too. Okay. So that's why. So he signed this in an affidavit later that said that they were basically pulled over by two police officers when they was walking down the street. One of them was an officer he didn't recognize. One of them was Jim Finnell. Jim told Rodney that he knew about him and Stacy and that he was going to pay. Jim also said that, but Jim had also said he never heard of Rodney Reed before Stacy's murder. So now Rodney Reed's defense teams also started digging through old investigative reports and they discovered something very suspicious about Jim as well. They discovered that after the truck had been located, but before Stacy's body was found, Jim had withdrew all the money in their bank account. Now that's suspicious. And, mm. I, and I just want to have a question. Why? Because I think we went over this. Oh, the Catherine Knight. Remember she killed her husband and went and withdrew a thousand dollars. Why is it that every time somebody come up missing her dead, the first thing people do is go withdraw money out the account? Because you know, they want to be on the quote unquote run <laughs> and not leave a paper trail. That's suspicious as fuck. So, though. But if you think the average person though doesn't have you know a stash where right. you're putting money at because they're, so you just they, you, they, they they think about putting all their money all their money end up going just by default of things that happen in life into the bank. But I'm wondering, shouldn't you do that before you commit the crime? Or are they scared that the person, because they haven't killed the person yet, is going to see that you withdraw all the money out? Because I'm like, I would do that before I commit the crime. I mean, yes, you would. Yeah. You're a mastermind killer. That's why I'm like, who the fuck? That is so suspicious. <laughs> some of it is not as premeditated in the sense of what it sounds like. If they thought they were going to get away yeah. easier. And when it doesn't sound like it's going according to plan, they want to make sure they have it as a contingency. So if you killed your wife, would you go immediately and withdraw the money in? Wow, I don't, I don't think of it and that, and that as deep as you, but I know you would withdraw the money beforehand. Yeah, you know about I, a month or two before. I, I probably would have. You know what? I would have withdrew that shit. Was I'm, that's the only thing? I probably would probably would be a month or two before. I would just have to just withdraw that shit out and be like, I had an emergency. That's what I would tell. Them. I had an emergency. I had to use it. I'm sorry, but I'm gonna have that money put to the side. Because yeah, right after the it. disappearance of the murder, that's suspicious as fuck. That's the first thing they look at. It's you went to the ATM and withdrew all the money out. You're a killer. <laughs> now, this is something else that happened. So three months after the investigation into the death, uh, Jim actually started dating another woman named Pam Duncan. 
And she start, She said that he was very possessive. He was very jealous. And he ke- had kept referring to black people as niggers. So she decided to break up with him because of this. Because she was mixed? I, I don't know what color she was. Actually, I didn't even look her up. But maybe she just, I mean, because you could be, you know, white and not like that. I know. know. That's, that's an honorable thing. Yeah. But, so, once they broke up, though, he started stalking her for months. He drove by her house, shining the police light through the windows. He kept calling her bitches. He kept harassing her and any new man that she would be dating. So, Pam filed a police report, which vanished mysteriously. They didn't do anything about it at all. Mm. Now, Mary, this woman named Mary Blackwell, she was in the same police academy class as Jimmy. And she said that she overheard one day Jim say that if he ever found out his girlfriend was cheating on him, he would strangle her. And so she looked over and she was like, but you would leave fingerprints because she thought they was joking. Like, you know what I mean? So it was one of those, ha ha ha, you leave fingerprints. And he looked at her and he said, you don't know shit. I would strangle her with a belt. Because that doesn't leave fingerprints? I guess to his mind, he's like... It, it, he would leave it on the belt and probably get rid of the belt but if you use your hands you're leaving fingerprints on their actual neck I guess that's what he was saying okay. so now a woman came forward in 2007 and accused Jim of kidnapping and raping her as well her name was Connie Lear at the time she was 20 years old she said that her and her fiance got into an argument outside of an apartment complex they was hanging out at so the neighbors called the police and one of the officers that responded was Jim Finnell so Connie's fiance was immediately handcuffed and arrested to sober up. Connie was upset. So Jim said that he would take her to him, but instead drove her to a public recreation area. He demanded that she dance for him. When she said no, he slammed her up against the back of the squad cart, held her down, held a gun to her head and raped her. Oh, he told her. Yeah. He told her that if she ever told anybody, he would kill her. He then took her back to the apartment complex and he gave her a business card. And he said he would be back to see her again. But she actually ended up calling the police, you know, because she got so scared. But then Jim came back with other police officers and he threw her in the back of the police car and tackled her. And then they made her talk into a camera and said that she just made up the whole story of Jim, that she just lied. So then they took her to jail for public intoxication as well after they did all that to her. Oh, my shit. So when she got out of jail, she then filed charges on Jim. He pled guilty in 2008 to kidnapping and improper sexual contact with a person in custody. For that, he received a 10-year sentence because that was a plea deal, and he was released in 2018. So at that point, Connie then filed a civil suit against Jim and the state, the city of Georgetown, and they settled. She got $100,000 because of what he did to her. At that point, other women started coming forward with the same stories of Jim as well. And even with all this, Judge Schaefer just kept dismissing, you know, the appeals for Rodney Reed. So he had actually, Rodney Reed all this time had gotten an execution date set for November 20th, 2019. And at this point, this is when Kim Kardashian, Rihanna, Beyonce, they all came out to free Rodney Reed movement. It became a really big hashtag movement for him. And, you know, a lot of neighbors even came out and said, you know, they would hear fighting a lot between Stacey and Jim all the time. And Jim just sounded so violent to her all the time. 
The last thing was Arthur Snow, which is a member of the Aryan Brotherhood, which I, I didn't look that up. I don't know who what the Aryan Brotherhood is. You don't know what the Aryan Brotherhood is? What is the Aryan Brotherhood? Are you serious? No. I, you know about all these murders. I didn't look at, you, you know, know what I was, the Aryan Brotherhood is? I, well, no, I know about the murder, but I didn't look it up because I was like, I did all the research, but I should have looked up to see what the Aryan Brotherhood was. But this guy was in prison with Jim when Jim was doing the rape charges. Yeah, uh-huh. And, 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 you, and you love prisoners and all that stuff yeah. and love people from prison, but you don't know what the Aryan Brotherhood is. No, I don't know. Well, I'm... I'm that, a... the quote, uh, Brad Pitt, those is the close things to Nazis. Oh. Oh, they, okay. So that, that makes sense because that was my other thing was I knew that they were a prison game because he said, he came out and he said that Jim wanted... They, they're bigger than the prison gang. Okay, because Jim, I guess, went to him and said that he wanted the protect, the protection of the Brotherhood and he wanted to join their organization so he could have protection in prison. So they ended up having a conversation in the yard and Arthur said that he was talking about his ex-fiance with a lot of hatred, said she had been sleeping with a black man behind his back. And Jim said, I had to kill my nigger loving fiance. Those were his exact words. Now, I don't know why Arthur came out and, you know, basically told him, I don't know if they said, hey, we'll give you something off your sentence. Because a lot of times that happens too. Like if you, you know, snitch on somebody. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what made him come out, but this is something that he came out and said. And also Charles Wayne Fletcher, who was friends with Jim and Stacy before the murder, and he had also been a deputy of the police department, said that Stacy and Jim had a party, like it was a barbecue at their pool in the apartment complex, and he remembered Jim saying that he thought that Stacy was fucking a nigger. That was the thing. And Good after times. Yeah. And he said after Stacy was murdered, Jim started acting differently and he thought that it was really suspicious, and so he cut the friendship off. He didn't want to be his friend no more because he said he just started acting weird. I wonder how he started acting. Yeah, like I, I wonder that too. So bad that somebody cut the friendship off. I wonder what he did. Mm-hmm. The other thing was there was another sheriff that was, you know, a sheriff department with Jim, and at the funeral, he overheard Jim lean over her casket and said, "You got what you deserve." That's what he came out and said. And then the last thing is an insurance agent has mm. signed an affidavit that said Stacy had been inquiring about, you know, life insurance. Jim and Stacy sat down a little bit before she died and got life insurance. And Stacy asked, because she's so young, is there really a reason to for me to get life insurance? And Jim told her, if I ever catch you messing around on me, I will kill you. And no one will ever know that it was me that killed you. So that was the whole thing. So that's why you should get life insurance. Yeah. So I make sure and, you get paid. Right. And he said that right in front of the insurance agent. That's wild. That's crazy as hell. But now a petition I mean, for clemency. Yeah, that, that story is, is intense. Yeah. And, and, and swallowing as a pill of believability. Right. Because I'm like, I, that's crazy. Now a petition for clemency has been submitted for Rodney Reed at this point. He is still in prison on death row. However, his execution has been halted indefinitely. And so um, he probably won't get executed. But right now they're just working to get him free. Because after all of this stuff that came out that didn't come out in 98, he may not have even been put on death row. Yeah. Oh, we're at the end now. Yes, this is oh. the end. This is the part where oh. we... I'm like, do you see what I'm saying? This whole case is an emotional roller coaster because I still... I'm still... like, I don't, After all that, I'm like... I went from 50-50 to 80-20 and then 50-50. And now I'm more like maybe like like 80 20 again and but this time 80 20 in his favor mm-hmm. 
Because anything is always possible, but this is just a lot. I mean, there was no, like, what do you think? Do you think he's well, guilty I'm with or innocent? you on it being <clears throat> Red Bull. That's what I used to do with intoxicants to make sure that I stay aware and alert when I drink them, is mix it with Red Bull. That's mm-hmm. what we're going to be doing in the future. Just letting you know. Just throwing oh, yeah. it out there. Um, but it, it does seem like it's too much corruption yeah. from the officers that came before and they have a lot of history just like he had a lot of history with these women. Right. To where it's now thrown back upon them on your little sus now. Yeah. Not a little, your lot sus on mm-hmm. just your interaction with how you how you do with criminals. Yeah. Is there a lot of these blatant threats? Good God. That's I a mean, lot. sheesh. That's a, and I mean, for me, as a police officer, I'm like, is he really going to blatantly just tell people what he's going to do and stuff? Like, you know, wouldn't he be more conspicuous? Or is it just like he feels like nothing can touch him so he don't give a fuck? Like, that's I, I would say that that's, that's where I, I went back to the two-part scenario. But it becomes the actions in which is why people use your actions a lot to uh, depreciate your character. But it sounds like your friend shady and doing slimy stuff like that and taking advantage of women for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's a guy that you're associated with. They've done stuff, I wouldn't say similar to this level, mm-hmm. but they have showed that they will kind of protect their their own yeah, and intimidate. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, and use that as a hopeful enough intimidation force. Yeah. Uh, to deter people from talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I can see how this does get, like, I, it, it becomes a big question mark. Yeah, of, it is. Was he there? Was he not there? Was people, and there's people that do know about the crime system and how you guys do investigate it. Yeah. That's like, if a person from, if you had, like, we watch CSI Miami with Horatio always saying, cool ass sayings and walking the hell off. But if Horatio decided to try and kill somebody with all the shit that he knows, yeah, it'd be very, very tough to pin it to him. Yeah, yeah. That's why you kind of like immediately become like a supervillain, right? And I'm like, I don't know if we have the right man on death row for this. I just don't like. That's why this case is like I, I don't know because every time you get questions answered, you just get more questions, and I don't think we'll ever know the real answer. Right. I will say I I appreciate. Them choosing the answer that they have for let's not let him go. Yeah. Uh, I, it, honestly, I probably would withheld everybody. Yeah. To try and get this kind of a crunch down. Yeah. And they have more understanding of litigation. Yeah. Than the brown man, and actually, honestly, through privilege of police, uh-huh. they don't have to answer to certain steps. Yeah. And have to will be subjected to like you got to stay in jail until we figure this out, you know. Yeah. Versus that guy, so I do feel for his horribleness of that. Yeah. Because I'm 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 a question. Mm, yeah. Am I gonna say you're innocent? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Right. That's what I'm saying too. Because I'm like every time I because like I said I, every time I think he's guilty or innocent, then I get more questions, and I just really don't know on this. I mean, if he is innocent, then obviously you know free Rodney Reed, but I just don't know because there's other things that's kind of pointing to him. Like the fact that, you know, he lied. Like I said, he lied about something simple about, do you know her? Oh, no, I don't know her. I've never met her a day before in my life. Right. That's the other thing. I'm like, you didn't even say something simple. Like, I knew her. And then they tell you your DNA has been found. Okay, now we were sleeping together. That was the other thing that 
kind of threw me off. It so, does, but yeah. then you look at this case with this guy who's been getting away with it. Right. Like, That's you know, the other thing. In a southern state, too, uh-huh. in the brown. Uh-huh. So, it's... it's, it's yeah, I, it's it's kind of like if I was a parent, I'd be like, "Oh, y'all need to be in timeout for a second. I need right. to ask questions," and it'd be equivalent to the time they all need to have equivalent time. I feel like Rodney is the person that's getting the, the the brunt of it, yeah, and standing there longer. But I feel like as long as Rodney and Ed, you guys need to be in there, yeah, just until we kind of figure this out, yeah. And that, too, because I'm, like, I mean, the other thing, I was, like, because what's with the other, like, women? Like, I don't believe he did anything with that 12-year-old girl. That was, but what about the other lady that supposedly around the same time she was abducted, too? Mm -hmm. I was, like, so, like, how does he keep getting accused of these things? Right. That's kind of what throws me off, too. It's weird and being coincidence. We can't just write this off as coincidence. Right. In that. Yeah. Was this a different scenario? Could be. Yeah. Could be. But it's too much of like, God, that's too much of a fitting yeah. coincidence. And then later you raped another person, or at least they said you did. Yeah. And I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that testimony at all. And I, I don't feel like that stood ground in any at all in any event. But I'm like, that happens to you too much. It, yeah. And then you have uh, scenarios where it kind of places the, the husband in there. Yeah. So I'm like. Because it's like, and it's all going to come down, did Jim know about the affair or did he not? Because that's going to make a big difference, too. He said he didn't know anything about Rodney until after the death. Everybody's saying that he did know, and he was making threats and saying, if she ever did this, and I'm going to pay, and like, they're right. going to pay. So I'm like, what's going on you know, with that? Kill her, or did you call, even call him and say, I don't know, you're fucking my wife, and I go over and fuck her on Tuesday. Yeah. And then leave, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's, it's too much blankness yeah we're both I, I i'm gonna tell you this both to me now both of them seem equally guilty yeah yeah that's what i said too you see what i'm saying like who needs to be on death row for this well i think at minimum he don't need to be executed until this is figured out that's what i think because somebody needs to be on death row but we right don't know but who. i don't think both of them should be he's he's still suspect yeah he's still just sus yeah so if you're gonna be that's why I was saying it before. If you're going to be detaining sus people that are the highest level suspects, then the, the then the boyfriend needs to be detained as well. Yeah, I you, think so too. If we're going to be doing that, which I'm not completely against. Yeah. But if we're going to be doing that on a, on a level of this type of crime, I'm not saying that every crime need to you know detain all suspects. Yeah. But with a level of so much evidence pointing to suspects, mm-hmm. then if you're gonna put him in on this and this amount of information that was given to him to be yeah. suspicious, then you need to detain him as well because now it's it's, it's equal enough suspicion. Right, because I can see like '98, there was really no, all this stuff wasn't known. But now that all this stuff is out, why was he not arrested too? Mm-hmm. I mean, you arrested Rodney Reed as soon as you got the DNA, and that was enough. So why didn't you arrest him now? It was too? very easy to arrest. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's very. It, that's what I was saying before. It seems like you got cop privileges because it's very easy to arrest Rodney, but yeah. it's very difficult to arrest you. Yeah. Yeah, and the only reason you got to, I'm surprised he even did time in that other rape case. You know, when he did all that. You know. So well, his partner, his his friend in crime, yeah, who's the affiliation with, mm-hmm. who kind of shows he's down for doing some shady stuff. Yeah, I mean that's the association thing. Mm-hmm. But as I'm saying, I, I, it's 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 a lot of questions that they're, they're too knowledgeable. Yeah, on the the process. Yeah, 
for for me, if I if that was a whole thing of, you know, even if I was like, hey, you know, there was a dollar in my living room, and my kids know the layout of my house, yeah, and a person comes to visit, but the person that says that that they was visiting said they didn't take it. And, you know, they're naming things that they don't know, but the person in the house is naming things that they do know, and this is fitting the scenario. Yeah. It'd be too, I'd be like, you, that person is very knowledgeable of yeah. what I would do in this scenario. Yeah. So I, I feel like almost an investigation needs to start happening in that own sense. Like, hmm. Mm-hmm. I, you, 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 because you know the system so well. Yeah. Of course you know how not to. Right, right. You know, like, that's why I was bringing up Horatio. Like, mm-hmm. for me, he'd immediately become a, a villain. Yeah. If you decide you're going to kill somebody, even in a thing of passion, you know so much yeah. of what it what people get caught on mm-hmm. subconsciously, even though you don't think you do. Yeah. But subconsciously, you know what it takes to not get caught. Yeah. Somebody, you're, one, you're like the prime example, because all you talk about <laughs> is the stupidest part of the crime the and how you can't get caught and what you don't give and don't you tell the law. You're like the epitome of yeah. something. You're like a person that's trying to be a Horatio just on the opposite side like hey if yeah. I'm gonna do a crime this is how you get away with it don't make it seem like you're doing the crime that's exactly what somebody who's gonna sit here and go to that level of, of commitment to yeah agreed studied well as I get you know more information on this case so if he gets a new trial whatever happens at minimum he may be get a new trial definitely keep everybody updated Right. Yeah, this is definitely do you know what we're gonna talk about next week I do not we're gonna be talking about Riley Gall Okay. The 16-year-old that killed his girlfriend. So you love teenage you love teenage love murder. Yeah. You're going to write a book about that, let me tell you. Well, teenage love murder. Well, we will be back next week. Follow us on Instagram, Hot Garbage Show. Follow us on Facebook. Join the discussion group, Hot Garbage Show. Leave us a review and check us out anywhere podcasts are. Take care. Watch your back out there. Peace.